Actually, we have a guest speaker this morning I want to introduce to you. Really good friend of mine. I've been in uh, personal small groups with him for the past couple years. Gotten to know him. He's a pastor at New Hope Windward that meets in the mall. Come on, give it up for New Hope Windward. So Pastor Dave Barr, 16 years being a senior pastor. I've only been in for about four years as the lead pastor here. I have so many questions I always go to this guy with, like just bugging him on all of this stuff. Like, how do you pay people here on your staff? And, and how do you organize a baptism? And what do you do for this and that? And honestly, I just got to tell you guys, this guy has never looked down on me, made fun of me, made, never made me feel small. He's always just got loads of encouragement and practical advice. And I enjoy the friendship that I have with him. I'm super blessed to know this guy. Literally, he speaks into my life more than you probably know. More than you know, Dave. I love you, man. But anyway, he's an incredible guy. You guys are about to receive an awesome, anointed, very practical word this morning. Anchor Church, would you please rise to your feet and honor and welcome Pastor Dave Barr from New Hope Winter this morning. Come on, give it up, church. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> Thank you. Please be seated. <laughs> and please remove that frightening picture of me behind me. You don't ever want your picture magnified that big. That it shows all the defects in my age. Oh, man, it's so great to be back to Anchor Church. I love this church. It's great to see many of you that I met last time I was here and meet those of you uh, for the first time. So cool. I told Carl, I said, I live in Kaneohe. I said, if if I wasn't called to pastor New Hope Windward, this would be my home church. Don't you have an awesome church here, Anchor Church? It is so, so, so awesome. And I have a deep respect for Pastor Carl. He and I actually met each other a few years back. We were on this pastor's retreat with a, a group of senior pastors, and, and they just randomly uh, placed us in rooms with one another. So he and I shared a room, and it was just amazing because as I got to know him, I'd heard about him, but then I, and then I got to know him well. Uh, we were both going through some similar struggles, and we got to just kind of lean on each other and receive counsel from each other, and it was just a total blessing. And he and I are actually in a small group, as he mentioned, and so for the last couple of years, we've been meeting, and he's just become a, a, a true friend of mine, not just an acquaintance, but a friend. And, you know, there's, this, there's nothing I wouldn't do for him, and there's nothing he wouldn't do for me, and, you know, over the last several years, we've done absolutely nothing for each other, uh, <laughs> but... Hey, <laughs> I still have respect for you. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, aren't you blessed to have Pastor Carl as a senior pastor? Would you just show him your appreciation? <clears throat> and this church has helped our church tremendously. We're a portable church. Uh, we've been a portable church for 16 years. And so uh, we rent 10 theaters at the Windward Mall at the Regal Cinemas. And so we can only rent them on Sundays. They don't allow us to rent their theaters during the week because Sunday mornings they're closed. So they love renting the theaters to us to take our money. And uh, so during the week, if, if our church wants to do a large group training or a worship night, we don't have a facility, but we do now because Anchor Church has been letting us use this facility. And so can you, you just got to know New Hope Winward is so grateful because we get to do large group discipleship because of Anchor Church. Your church has a kingdom heart. It is not a castle, it's part of a kingdom. And so can you just give your staff, your team, everybody a round of applause. Thank you so, so, so much. And how about your worship team? Come on, man, they're good. 
If you don't have their new CD, it is so good. I've been listening to it in my car for the last two months, and you've got a phenomenal worship team. They, they have written tons of songs on it, and your tech teams, everybody is so great. So last round of applause. Can you show your appreciation to your tech and worship teams? They are truly, truly, truly amazing. All right. Let's get into the message. So we're starting a new series today called People Are People. You guys remember that Depeche Mode song? Yeah. People are people, so why should it? Oh, okay, you guys don't know that song. All right. Uh, anyhow, it talks about how people can't get along. And so we're going to be talking about how to work through our relational differences, our relational conflicts. So I'm going to show you a few street road signs. I want you to tell me out loud what these signs mean. So take a look at the first sign. This means? No U-turn. No Very good. Next sign means? Merge, and the next sign means means absolutely nothing to most of you. I think for some of you it means accelerate, okay? Now, road signs are designed to communicate to us what to do and what not to do. Now, wouldn't it be cool if the next time we're getting irritated with somebody, there was a road sign or imaginary sign around their neck that instructed us on how to work with that person, how to deal with a conflict? Wouldn't that be cool? So like you go into work tomorrow and, and, and you see this sign around your boss's neck and it says, me and the wife just had a big argument this morning, proceed towards me with caution. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be helpful? Or, you know, like, you're, you know, you're, you're getting ready to, to meet with the missus or your spouse, and it's like, we're about to talk about finances and our issues. Please do not overreact. <laughs> I mean, that would be so helpful. So today what we're going to do is I'm going to show you some signs up here, three signs, that are biblical principles from Scripture on how to resolve conflict God's way. So these are God's instructions to us on how to respond in godly ways when we're getting irritated or annoyed or frustrated with somebody or if we're actually getting in an argument with them. Now, I want to tell you, when I go over these three principles with you, when you see the first one, you're going to be like, yeah, 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 I know that one. Because we all know this. In fact, you know most of these principles. But here's what I found, is I don't always do what I know to do. Like, I know more than I actually live out. Can anybody relate? Let me see. Let me just take a, take a, yeah, oh, wow, all of you. Okay, cool. Because I was going to say, you know, how many of us know we need to eat more healthy, but we don't always eat more healthy? Just lift your hands up if that's you. Yeah, yeah, some of you should be lifting your hands up right now. Uh, how many of us know maybe we should floss our teeth, but we're not flossing our teeth? How many of us know we might need to read the Bible and pray a little bit more than we are? Lift your, man, what's your problem? And the problem is, is that we know more than we actually do. So as you hear these things that you already know about, I want to encourage you to kind of fight that thing in your mind that says, I already know this. And here's what I want you to ask yourself. Am I doing this when I'm in a conflict with somebody? Because I've found that these three things are difficult to do when you're in a conflict with somebody. Okay, so you ready for them? Here's the first sign. The first imaginary sign I want you to picture around your boss, your coworker, your family, those you live with, those you serve with when you're starting to get irritated. And the first thing is this, and it's to tell you, it's to tell me that we need to just stop talking and to please listen. To stop advising. Parents, sometimes we need to stop lecturing uh, sometimes we need to stop, hate to say it, but we need to stop yelling. Sometimes we need to stop getting ready with like, like okay, this is what I'm going to say. 
You know, like sometimes we're like, oh, I listen, I listen, but we don't listen. We're just ready for, with our defense. We're ready with our rebuttal. It's like they're talking and I'm not hearing anything. I'm getting them back on the last few things. They said two minutes ago, I'm ready, right? So sometimes we just need to stop and truly listen and listen. Now, have you ever come up to a stop sign and instead of coming to a complete stop, you've kind of rolled through that stop sign? And they call that a rolling stop. When you don't come to a complete stop, you sort of slow down, but you roll through. How many of you do, you've done a rolling stop? Okay. Anybody who has a driver's license should be lifting their hand up right now because we've all done a rolling stop. But you know what we do? When we're getting into a conflict with somebody, we do rolling stops all the time. We, like, we stop talking. And when we interrupt and we roll over them with sometimes reckless words, sometimes hurtful words, sometimes very mean words. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I've said the most hurtful things to the people that I love the most. And you think about that. There are some things we say at home that we would never say at work. And the people at home are the people we love the most. And so, so often the Holy Spirit's like, just stop. Shh. Listen. Here's how Jesus' half-brother talked about it. Look at James 1.19. We know this verse, many of us, but, but look, at, look at how this works. It's amazing. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be, say it with me, quick to listen. So quick to stop. Like quick. Not 45 minutes later. Not, you know, like quick. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. And then if you do that, then you and I are more apt to be slow to get what? Angry. So watch. This is what the Bible says is the key to anger management. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, then you're more inclined to be slow to lose your temper. This is the antidote to anger management. So what he's saying is, is he's saying reflect before reacting. Put your mind in gear before you put your mouth in motion. Because see, if we can watch our words, we can better watch our anger. Does that make sense? So we got to just stop. And so I want to encourage you to, to just imagine this sign around your loved one's necks. Now, let me show you an illust- uh, a scripture that's very helpful. Then I want to show you an illustration with it. Look at Proverbs here. Now, this is an important scripture. In fact, God had me memorize this one years ago because I like to talk. It says, Dave, when words are many, sin is not absent. So watch this. The more you talk, the more you're going to sin. But watch this. Look at this word picture. But he or she who holds his tongue is wise. Look at the word picture. You're starting to get upset? Hold your tongue. Like he's like, just hold it. Like stop. Just listen. Now, this has helped me tremendously. What I'm about to show you, this illustration has helped me so much. As a a parent of three teenage daughters, as as a husband, I've been married uh, 21 years with my wife. As a pastor, co-workers, all that, this has helped me tremendously, is that when we get stressed, our hearts get filled up with words. Jesus said, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. And so I want you to picture this balloon kind of being like your heart or somebody else's heart. So when you're, if, you're, if you're a parent and you have kids and your kids get stressed, they get filled up with words. If you're having financial issues, you're going to have some additional stress. If you're having a relational conflicts with somebody you really care about, your heart's going to be filled up with more words, more stress. If your in-laws stay with you two weeks... 
I'm just saying. <laughs> now, an overinflated balloon will eventually pop. And people are the same way. Even if you're a quiet person, you still need to process your stress. Here's how quiet people process their stress. They're like, I don't talk a lot. Well, you do. It just, you just wait till you get shooken up enough like a Coke bottle and you blow your top. And the words come out. So we all got a process. So here's the thing. When people are sharing their stress with us, sometimes it sounds like this. When their hearts are deflating and they're trying to process their worries and concerns, it's kind of like... Work was so difficult today. My coworker Anita was so mean to me, and she was just like really bothering me. I didn't like Pastor Dave's message today. Don't ever say that. But isn't it true that sometimes when people are venting or if they're frustrated with us, it's like, oh my gosh. And so what I've learned is, is that when, when you realize that people just have to let it out, they got to vent, they got to decompress, they got to let some steam off without giving them advice, without responding sometimes, just listening, is that often people can just let it out. And that was kind of awkward. Uh, sorry about that. And then what happens is, is that you give them, I call it the ministry of listening. And their words get out, and then they're okay. Let me give you an example of this. This is a true story. Uh, as I tell you this story, um, you need to know that my wife has given me permission to tell the story exactly the way I'm going to tell it. And she wants you to know as I tell this story, she wants this to be really clear to you, I am the idiot in the story, Okay. <laughs> So if you, if you got that, then we can go along here. So years ago, I was driving in my car. Uh, my wife was in the passenger seat. My three daughters were in the back. We were driving uh, past Makapu'u Point along the coast. Beautiful sunny day, ocean on our right, driving towards Waimanalo. And it was just a great day. We're all getting along great. My wife has her hand on my shoulder, and she's looking at me, you know, the way she normally looks at me, which is like this. You're amazing. <laughs> And that's how I remember it. Um, and so things were going great. And this was back in the day when you could talk on your cell phone. You guys remember that? Hey, Christians, remember when you could talk on your cell phone and now we're not supposed to? Right, okay. So the phone rings and I pick up the phone and it's a, it's a pastoral call. So I'm driving like this and we're driving along towards Waimanalo, about 35 miles an hour. And what I don't see is this local family walking across the crosswalk that we're about to drive into. My wife doesn't see them until we get real close. She goes, hey, and then I saw them right when she saw them, and I hit my brakes. Now, my car tires did not screech, but we got so close to them that you know we got really close to them because this is how they looked at me when my car approached. They went like this. And I was like, oh, no. And I knew in that moment that my wife's heart went from this to this because I just startled her. I just stressed her out big time. 
And I knew that she was full of words that she needed to process. And when my, when my wife gets spooked, um, when adrenaline shoots into her body, you know, it happens called the fight or flight syndrome, the back of her legs start hurting. That's just what happens when adrenaline processes through her body really fast and really quick. And so I knew at this moment, oh my gosh, dude, you better just throw on your ears and listen away because she's about to process. And so this is, this is literally how it went. it went. What were you thinking, Dave Barr? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't thinking. Oh my gosh, how do you drive and talk on the phone at the same time? You cannot multitask. You're absolutely right. I, I, I can't. If you're going to talk on the phone while you drive, you do it when the kids and I are out of the car so you can kill yourself. That's a good idea. That's a, that's a good idea. Gosh, my legs hurt. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. How do you survive while you drive without dying? I guess it's the grace of God. Uh, yeah. And she just, for the next couple minutes, and by God's grace, I kept my ears on, and we dodged an argument. Now, she never put her hand back on my shoulder, but we did dodge that argument. Now, what would have happened if I chose to not stop and listen? And I responded to her deflating, her decompressing. This is probably how it would have gone. What were you thinking, Dave Barr? What was I thinking? I'm thinking you're a problem right now. That's what I was thinking. You cannot drive and multitask without getting in an accident. Well, I've been driving for 25 years without having an accident, so put that in your pipe and smoke it, sister. <laughs> and how do you think things would have gone after that? <laughs> Not good. Drama, drama. And after being married for two decades, I've learned this, and those of you men who've been married for a while, happy wife, happy life, right? But I've added to it, happy mama, less drama, <laughs> right? Right. All the sisters are like, that's right, hey. Next time you're about to get in an argument, oh, 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 time out, brother, time out. Happy mama, less drama, know what I'm saying? <laughs> that was random. Where'd that come from? Gosh. <laughs> But here's the point I'm trying to make is that when we let people process, our coworkers, those we serve with, we let people process and vent, we can really avoid a lot of arguments. And so the spark that ignited that driving incident was my fault. So it was a little bit easier for me to throw my ears on. But you know when I find it's hard to throw ears on and listen? It's hard to do when somebody's blaming me for something that's not my fault. Isn't it hard to listen to people when they're accusing you of something that's not true? And yet, Scripture says that there are times we still need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. In fact, Jesus modeled this. The night before Jesus was crucified, do you know he went through six trials all through the night? He was up all night, completely exhausted, getting beat up, brutally, brutally beat up. 
And then all these unfounded, malicious, angry, untrue words were being hurled at him, verbal punches left and right. And scripture says that he responded without uttering a word. In other words, he listened. And so what Jesus has modeled for us, don't miss this, is that there are going to be times that you've got to take some verbal punches for the team. If you're married or you're dating, there are some times you just need to, even when untrue things are being said to you, you just need to just take it, let them vent, and just don't respond. Don't respond. Just choose to forgive them and let it go. I think sometimes we get so hung up on, on proving that we're right and no, you're wrong, and then that just muddies up the reconciliation process. And so let me ask you, how are you doing in this area of listening when you're upset? I want you to evaluate yourself, okay? Because I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, well, I hope my wife is listening to this message. She sure needs this one. (laughs) I hope my husband's listening because I'm going to buy him five CDs if he doesn't. (laughs) So how, but that's nice. They, They probably need to hear it. But what about you? When you get in an argument, how are you doing in this area? On a scale of 1 to 10, I want you to evaluate yourself. Not to feel bad, not to feel guilty, but just to see, is this an area where I need to make some improvement? If you say, Dave, we can't talk about issues that we don't agree upon, I give yourself a 1 or a 2. If you say, I listen some, but I tend to interrupt, maybe give yourself a 4 or 5. And if you say, you know what, I regularly listen and I let them vent without you know, overreacting, then give yourself a 9 or a 10. And again, if you had a low score, because a lot of people in the service are like, man, I got low scores in this. Don't leave here feeling guilty, but just leave here saying, okay, God, this is an area that you can help me work on as we're going forward. Amen? All right, here's the second sign. So we got to listen, and then scripture says we need to speak low and slow. Now notice this is a speed limit sign. What do I mean by low and slow? It means that when you're starting to get irritated with somebody, you're starting to get into a conflict, you need to kind of speak with a lower volume, and you need to speak a little bit slower than you normally speak when you're in an argument. Because here's what happens is we mirror people's responses. So if somebody starts talking louder to us, you know what we do? We start talking louder. Somebody goes, hey, you know what? How do you respond? What? (laughs) You know, we don't go low and slow. Hey, you know what? What? We don't do that. We mirror people's responses. And the studies show that the faster you talk, the louder you talk, the more likely you're going to get angry. And so we got to speak low and we got to speak slow. Now take a look at how scripture addresses this. Look at Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer. So when you're speaking gently, you tend to lower your volume. You tend to speak a little bit slower. A gentle answer will calm a person's anger. Let's stop there for a second. So look up here real quick. When you speak low and slow, you know whose anger it starts to work on first? Yourself. It starts to de-escalate your irritability before it starts to work on them. And so a gentle answer will calm a person's anger, but look at what happens conversely. But an unkind answer will do what? (laughs) It's going to cause more anger. And uh, this verse really speaks to me because I love sarcasm and Man, I mean, my best friends, if you meet my best friends, they're the most sarcastic people you've ever met. Um, I think sarcasm is a spiritual gift, personally. Uh, I think it should be the sixth love language out of the five love languages. It makes me feel very loved. But here's what I found, that when it comes to conflict resolution at home, work, or church, sarcasm has to stay out of the octagon. 
I just have to hold back my tongue because my tongue will think of like three jabs. <laughs> Take that. You know, it's like, and I just, it just doesn't work with conflict re- re- uh, resolution. So a soft response is better than our sarcastic response. So we got to speak low and slow. Um, speaking of an unkind answer will cause more anger. It reminds me of the time I was talking to a pastor and just for clarity, it's none of your pastors here if you're trying to figure out who that is. And this pastor was telling me, he said, man, me and my wife got in an argument last night. I was like, oh, yeah, what happened? He's like, oh, it was a bad one. I was like, oh, what happened? He's like, well, she started bringing up stuff from the past. Like, she's like bringing up stuff that happened years ago, like it had just happened. And so we got into this argument, and she's like retelling the argument we had with full detail, like, She even had the date of the argument included in the conversation. I was like, wow, so how did you respond to her when she was bringing up stuff from the past? He said, well, this is what I said to her. Hey, I can tell you've been watching the History Channel again. (laughs) Oh. Oh. I was like, how did it go after you said that? He's all, not good, not good at all. And of course, we could have figured out that that wouldn't go well for him because Scripture says an unkind answer will cause more anger. It actually increases anger. And when you're trying to resolve conflict, you don't need an increase in anger and irritability. You need a decrease. So Scripture says if, if we speak low and slow, gently, then we can better manage our anger. So I want you to evaluate yourself on scale of 1 to 10. How are you doing in this area? Is speaking low and slow. If you say, Dave, I'm loud and sarcastic when I'm upset, uh, probably want to give yourself a one or a two, Um, and we'll probably get along really well if we meet after service there. Uh, If you rarely raise your voice and you rarely use sarcasm, you sometimes use it in the the argument, but you rarely do that, give yourself a five or six. And if you say, you know, Dave, I speak low and slow uh, just about every time I'm upset and we're in an argument. Um, then we just want to welcome you to the service, Jesus Jr. Thank you so much for blessing us with your presence. And we're going to pray that you come out of denial and that the blind spots are removed. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. If you do well in this area, give yourself a 9 or a 10. Okay? (laughs) All right. Let's look at the last sign. This one's helped a lot. Now, this is a yield sign, which means when you yield, you want to be aware. And the word is hearing impaired, so we need to clarify. Let's talk about this for a minute. Um, Do you ever have communication issues? (laughs) Like, yeah. And the truth is, everyone at some point has communication issues. Communication issues with our, our supervisors, communication issues with people that we serve with, communication issues with people we live with. And the reason why is that we're imperfect people who live in this imperfect world. And, and so sometimes we misunderstand what people say. Sometimes people don't communicate clearly to us, so we don't get all the information that they're thinking in their mind. And so we grab a few words they say, and we're, and we're drawing all of our conclusions, so we, we get upset and frustrated there. And then here's a biggie, don't miss this, is that your spiritual enemy loves to jam up communication in your relationships at home, work, and church. See, if, if you're in a war 
One of the strategies to take out the enemy in a war is to take out the communications department. Because if you can take out communications, then you've just affected communications with all the troops. Isn't that right? And so what the enemy will do is, is he'll come in and try to jam up communications with those that you spend the most time with, with your kids, your loved ones, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever it is. And so because of that, we just have to acknowledge that we are hearing impaired sometimes. We don't always hear clearly what others are saying. We don't always communicate as clearly as, as we'd like to. And so we've got to, we have to clarify and say, so if I'm understanding you, what you're saying is this, we got to seek clarification. Let me give you an example. A few years back, my wife walked into the kitchen, I was in there, and she said this to me, these exact words, let's not watch a movie every night. Let's not watch a movie every night. Here's how I interpreted those words. We're watching a movie every night, so let's not watch a movie every night. So after she said that phrase, my daughter walks in and goes, Mom, we're not watching a movie every night. I'm like, oh, I got some backup reinforcement here. Come on over here, honey. And my wife goes, I didn't say we were. And my daughter said, yes, you did. You said, let's not watch a movie every night. And my wife goes, I didn't say we're watching a movie every night. I go, babe, yes, you did. You said, let's not watch a movie every night. I mean, I wanted to say, where were you? Like, you want me to record this conversation? That's what you just said. And so all of a sudden, this clicked in my brain. I saw this sign around her neck, this imaginary sign. And I was like, I'm hearing impaired. I need to clarify. So then, by God's grace, I said, and I started speaking low and slow, because I was starting to get irritated and defensive. I'm not watching a movie every night. And I said, honey, could you clarify what you're trying to say? She said, what I'm trying to say is this, is that during the week when the kids are in school, the kids have homework and if we watch a movie, they're not going to get all their homework done. We're going to stay up later. Then the kids are cranky when they, they get up in the morning. And I've got to deal with that all the way to school in the car. And so I'm just saying, let's not get in the habit of watching a movie every night. And me and my daughter looked at each other like, ah, oh, that's not what she said. <laughs> <laughs> and we also are like, oh, that's what let's not watch a movie every night means. So seeking clarification is huge, but I'm going to be honest with you, it takes enormous maturity to do this, especially in a conflict. This, takes, this will really help you with coworkers and with, with others to say, oh, could I ask a few more questions? Just want to get some clarification. So I heard what you said. Are you saying that you would like to blah, 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 blah? No, that's always, oh, okay, could you add some more clarity to that? And it's just, it's amazing how Clear communication can diffuse so many unnecessary arguments. So how are you doing in this area? Scale of 1 to 10. When it comes to clarifying during a disagreement or a frustration or annoyance, how are you doing in that area? And this is one that as I talk to people, they say, man, that's one I really don't do very often. And I would encourage you to just experiment with it. Okay, so which of these are you going to do this week? Which one do you want to practice a little bit more on? Some of you are like, all three, you know. Others of you may say, oh, this one, I need to, you know, just listen a little bit more, or I'm going to practice speaking low and slow, and I start getting irritated, or, you know what, I'm going to start to clarify. And here's what I want to say about this is, you know, most of us, when we grew up, uh, our parents, for most of us, and some of our parents did, but many of our parents didn't model these conflict resolution skills, because their parents didn't. 
And I don't know about you, but I've never taken a class in college on how to resolve conflict with your spouse. Have any of you ever taken a class on that? Yeah, so what happens is we tend to resolve conflict the way that we were modeled conflict resolution growing up. And as a result, we often do the opposite of these things. And so I have found personally that getting these into my conflict resolution octagon, if you will, has taken a lot of work. It's been very unnatural for me. It's like writing left-handed and I'm right-handed. And so I want to encourage you to be really patient with yourself, that as you're practicing these things, like give yourself grace. If, you're, if out of three arguments you did this once, you should pat yourself on the back. That's good. And then, and then let's be gracious with one another. Let's not be like this in the next argument. Ah, hey, 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 remember the signs? Remember the signs? You know, I'm doing them. <laughs> What's your problem? You know, like, let's be gracious with one another. And, and when you see your loved one or spouse doing this, encourage them. Don't be like this. Well, it's about time you spoke low and slow. No, just encourage them because it has taken me years to, to implement this. And I still sometimes just totally throw these out the window if I get really frustrated. So let's be gracious. But I'm just going to be real candid with you. In order to do these regularly where this becomes a part of your habit, a part of your character, or excuse me, not where it becomes a part of your habit, when it becomes a habit to you and it becomes part of your character, it takes way more than personal willpower. It takes Christ power to do this. I want you to see this next verse. This verse is the key to you learning to do these things regularly. Here it is, Galatians 5. So I say this, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives in these areas. Let him help you to speak low and slow. Let him help you to listen when you don't want to. Let him remind you like he did me in that kitchen. Clarify, Dave. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. But let the Holy Spirit produce this kind of fruit in our lives. Look at the things that God wants to do in your conflicts. This is what he wants to produce in us. He wants to produce love, joy, peace. You want that in a conflict? I do. You want more patience? I do. Want more kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, slow and slow. Self-control. The root of the fruit of this happening in your life comes from a, a daily relationship with Jesus Christ. And he does not expect you to do these things perfectly because he knows how frail we are. But he is saying to us today, hey, anchor church, hey, I want you to start implementing these more in your life if you're not doing them already. These are my word. And my spirit wants to help you, God is saying. And I wanted to say this real quick. During worship, I just felt like, and I have not felt this in other services, but I, I really felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, Dave, there are a few people in the audience that are ready to bail on a relationship that I don't want them to bail on. I don't know who that is, but I think for some, it's probably a few of you spouses, you've kind of been going at it with your arguments and you're emotionally fatigued. Some of you, you, you parents of a, a difficult child, and you're just like, enough with them already. And it's almost like you want to, at times you feel like disowning them because they're so difficult at times. And what I believe God is saying to you is this, I will help you. 
don't quit. Don't leave the marriage. Some of you want to leave a job, and God may be endorsing that, but there's others of you here where you're ready to leave a job, and God is, he's not endorsing you exiting that job. And so I want to encourage you to process that decision of exiting that job with some other mature believers and really give it a good three, four, eight weeks of prayer, perhaps. Make sure you get confirmation that God's releasing you from that job. And sorry for that little side road there. I just felt like I'm supposed to say that. And, and for those of you who want to quit, man, please hang in there. You're looking at a guy who three years ago was ready to leave his wife. And my wife wanted to leave me. And it was the, the, the longest, most difficult, rough patch in our marriage that we'd ever gone through. And if we followed our flesh, we wouldn't still be married. But what Jesus wanted to do was teach me how to do this more. And he wanted us to each go to counseling and start working through some of the things that we needed to work on. And he wanted us to die to ourselves and to accept each other as is. And I stand here today with no fluff, like no, I'm not blowing any smoke. Me and my wife now, for the last two and a half years, are best friends. I'm more in love with my wife than I've ever been. We text each other. She's like, oh, I miss you. And I'm like, I miss you, mom, emoji, you know. And it's just like, man, we're so in love. We've never had this kind of depth of love ever. And it's been for years now. And I'm like, I'm so glad we didn't quit. And I think the Lord is saying to a few of you here, don't give up. He's going to help you. He is. It will be a process, so be gracious with one another in that process. But he is there, and he's ready to help you. Amen? Thank you, Anchor Church, for letting me share. Thank you so much. Hey, were you guys blessed? Come on, thank him. Thank you, Dave. Thank you so much. That was really good. That was really, really Solid word. Were you guys blessed this morning? That was good stuff, huh? Well, um, I'd like to just pray. I'd like to just seal that in prayer. Mm, there's a lot of stuff to think about right there. But I want to make sure that we, um, we go before the Lord and we lock it in. We, we take it in. We don't just let it kind of be, hey, that was a great thing. And just right out of our ear as we go out, pick out our kids and go to lunch and all that. I want us to, to catch that because it will change our life. Let's, let's bow before the Lord right now. God, we we ask right now that while uh, the moment is hot, while you're stirring our hearts and, and our minds right now, Lord, that you would seal that in us, that we would lock it within our, our hearts and our minds, Lord, and our, our, our character, and Lord, that we would begin to establish some of these habits. Lord, there's a lot, some of us, we need to change a lot. Some of us, it's a few, few tweaks, but some of us, it's big. And Lord, I want to lift up anyone right now that is thinking of throwing in the towel, as, as Dave said he felt in, in the service this morning. If that's you today and you're just at wit's end, Lord, Lord, I pray that you would touch those people right now. I pray that they would just um, receive a special anointing of your patience, Lord, and some wisdom and some insight to, to maybe step back and reevaluate, to actually get into your word and, and hear counsel from that, Lord, to, to spend some time with other godly people in their life that could just maybe give them the different perspective just to, to, to see a new angle or to, to encourage a little bit more patience and a little bit more grace and mercy towards the other person in the situation. Lord, I don't know what people are going through, but I know that, that I've been through those times in my life as well. As Pastor Dave spoke of that, I've been through those rough times. And I know that, 
Sometimes all you need is that extra word from the Holy Spirit or through Scripture or in a sermon or from the right Christian friend. And Lord, I pray that this week you would provide that for whatever people are really on the edge, teetering on the edge of something that they're going to regret the rest of their lives. I just pray, Holy Spirit, you'd come in and you'd fill the gap where we fall short, where we are weak, you are strong. Lord, let us remember that we cannot get better just by willpower and trying to do these things on our own, but it really honestly is a work of your Holy Spirit in us. And that's why we need you in Galatians 5 to bring in all that fruit in our lives of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and the list goes on. We need you. We know that in every area of our lives, we can't do it on our own because at times we're so weak and we fall short. And willpower just isn't enough to cut it. So God, I ask that you would just infuse your spirit into us, Lord, that we would ask for you, we would seek you daily, and Lord, that you would be a, a, a part of our thought process at all times, and Lord, our heart would always be focused on you. For those of us here in this service this morning, because there may be a few of you, that you've never really given full permission for Jesus to be the Lord of your life, not just... Uh, the, the God that you've heard about when you read the Bible or you've been to church before, but actually your personal Lord and Savior, the one that can change you, the one that forgives you, the one that brings healing, the one that can make you into a better person, take away the old uh, problems, habits, feelings, emotions, the stuff that gets you into trouble. But the fact that you completely surrender and allow him to change you and to lead you. And maybe that's you here today. I'm talking to some people in this service that, Maybe you've never actually completely been both feet all in into allowing Jesus Christ be the Lord of your life. And I just want to say, you don't have to wait any longer. We're going to offer an opportunity right now as we do at every service for you to get things right with God. This is just going to be the first step that says you don't have to live in your own world and your own control anymore, but you can now live in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, where he reigns, he sits on the throne, he is the boss, he's the Lord, he's the father, and he's going to do something good with your life. You don't have to understand all there is to know about Christianity, but you're at a point in life where you know something needs to change and you're ready to believe in God and to take a step of faith towards him. And if that's what you'd like to do this morning, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. I'm going to pray the words out loud, and you're going to pray them in your heart. The Bible tells us that, that what comes out of our mouth actually starts in our heart. So right now, this is a heart thing. And if you'd like to make this commitment in your heart to see God, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to pray it out loud, and you're going to just pray it quietly in your heart of heart to God. After service, you can go tell people, hey, I prayed that prayer in there. People are going to be excited. They're going to help you out. They're going to get you started in this journey. But right now, let's take care of the heart. If you'd like to take a step towards Jesus today to really know as you walk out of this room that you are a Christian, saved and forgiven and redeemed and filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's a prayer that you'd like to pray, then I'm going to lead you in that prayer. And I'm going to ask one thing. I'm going to count to three in a minute here. When I count to three, I'm just going to ask that you'd have the courage to raise your hand. No one else sees you, just me that you would raise your hand to let me know that you want to become a Christian today and you really are, are ready to surrender your life and to follow Jesus. So on the count of three, if that's you, we're going to pray right after that. I want you to lift your hand and, and we've got uh, pastoral staff in the overflow courtyard and in the, the kids' room watching for those hands as well. Someone will acknowledge you. But really, this is between you and God. On the count of three, if this is something you want to pray, would you just lift your hand? One, two, three. Would you lift your hands right now? Is there anybody? I see one, two, three. Hold them up. I see at least three people. I want to acknowledge you. I see four. Someone else over there. 
I'm looking around. Anybody else? I saw at least four people in the house this morning. Praise God. That's so good. That's so good. Go ahead and put your hands down now. And if I didn't see you, don't worry. God saw you. And I want you just to make this a prayer of your heart this morning. God, I'm here today, and I, I need you. I can't just do all of this stuff with self-help and on my own, my own willpower. I need some help. And the Bible clearly says that the Holy Spirit is our helper because we're in need of help, our comforter because we're in need of comfort. So God, I'm telling you right now, I need you in my life. But I'm, I'm willing to take the step of faith that says, I'm going to put you as top priority in my life, that you're going to now sit on the throne of my life and not me anymore. Lord, I, I repent of the way that I've been living my life for myself. Lord, I want to live for your purposes. I believe Jesus 2,000 years ago literally, physically came to this earth, taught us how to have a relationship with God, died on a cross in place of our sins. He didn't do anything wrong. He took the hit for us because we're living our own life, and he died to put that life to rest and to death. And then he rose again on the third day to give us new life. He conquered death so that we can conquer death. We can conquer spiritual death. And so what we're all saying here this morning is we believe in who you are, Jesus. And from here on out, we're going to follow you in the gift of salvation that you've given us. As we read our Bibles, as we go to church, as we, we take on the power of the Holy Spirit that makes us a new creation, as we get water baptized as a symbol of our new life in you. Lord, everything that you have for us from the bottom of our hearts, the answer is yes. Thank you for saving us from our sins, for calling us your kids, and for the new work you're about to do in our eternity. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Amen. Let's praise God.